two clocks. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. It's a Thursday night over here in New York at Studio B. We will be here for, I don't know, roughly another week. I, uh, just giving you a little bit of a tech update. The, the computer is getting assembled in Los Angeles. You know, it's, it's like a, they call it a blitz assembly, but still it takes a couple of days and a couple of days to get here. They actually think it might be here by Monday, which is not going to really help me too much. They'll give me a half a day to put it together. Now, I still got to take the day off one way or another because if it comes here early in the morning, I just got to go for it. If it's late at night, I got to see what I can do. So there's a good chance that I might be doing the show from home, uh, you know, maybe Monday or uh, Tuesday. And <laughs> who knows? Monday would have been great for tech uh, tech work at the studio because everybody, all my buddies who can help me with this kind of a task are off from work because it's uh, Martin Luther King Day. Um, so we'll see what happens. But things are happening that are good and exciting, and I can't wait to get to get to work over there. And every day it just makes me so much more grateful for what we have right over here in this little home setup that has been doing me very well. And... Um, and I've been able to recreate everything I need. Well, there's there's some media that uh, obviously you probably have noticed that I don't have that last uh, Chicken McNugget sign-off uh, John Lovitz ending. There's little bits of media that I don't have here that's at the studio. So i got to get to the studio and send myself stuff and kind of really work on duplicating certain things. But I, I got everything else. We could take calls. We could take guests. I think it's been nice. So welcome to the show. It's so good to have you here. And I am, uh, what do we have? Thank you to my sponsors, BlueMonsterPrep.com. Thank you to uh, gold, my gold and silver sponsors, Tony Arterburn and WiseWolf, quitefrankly.gold. Thank you guys so much for being out there. And there's a lot of people in the audience that are taking advantage of all of the security that you provide so there you go check them out all that's all their information is on the affiliates page on quite frankly.tv where many of you are watching and you know the other thing we were doing last night uh we were watching in the after hours there's a couple of things that i put on um we we did the tucker interview i played that where everybody can watch the um the the astrophysicist i forget his name but it was a really really good a really good interview not only going into why the science behind uh the climate agenda is so nonsensical but he even ended with some some work that he's done the, the astrophysicist and some people that he knows who've done that has done work in in the field and has come to multiple conclusions that could only ever lead to the existence of god that was really it nice but afterwards Afterwards, we put on a, uh, I put on a documentary that may, a, a lot of you have probably seen, but last night we were re-watching the documentary, the, the, the cancer cure cover-up about Dr. Stanislaw Brzezinski. And I'll tell you, it's been a few years since I watched it. It came out in about 2016, or at least it was completed in 2016 and we saw it in 17. But re-watching that documentary, and I tweeted this last night there too, it was incredible to see the FDA, how it became obsessively rabid in its pursuit of getting rid of Brzezinski. 
and he who's still alive he's 80 years old i would love to get him on the show i don't know if it's possible but still and you know you go through the fda going after this guy who is having remarkable success with um with his own very specific uh medications and all that stuff and he's he's giving new leases on life to children and the elderly alike it's really a wonderful thing but of course the powers that be they go and they they try to kill those people actually that is just a that's a pattern that can be picked up throughout human history anybody that does something really good that bucks the the current trend and the um and the the industrial investments that have been made into everything from sickness to water to you name it energy everything and sickness is an industry well his courage is incredible his his um his tenacity is incredible and of course the viciousness of the fda and the government uh, uh there's so many stories that put that on display but this one is really incredible and one if you have not watched it yourself you got to watch that one the cancer cure cover-up it's about dr stanislaw brzezinski and who's there at the the top of the fda during these years that they are really trying to take this guy down trying to steal his inventions trying to steal his work repatent everything it is of course um david kessler david kessler who i didn't even put two and two together until last night because last time i saw this it was prior to 2020 and in 2021 when joe biden larped his way into the white house who did he pick to lead operation warp speed it was david kessler so there there you go just you know cold bloods cold-blooded serpents wherever you go and they always they always thank each other in really interesting ways anyway that's what we're doing tonight hanging out did I, tell you what, did I tell you what we're doing tonight? Oh, we're talking about diversity. There's so many diversity headlines out there. Fun stuff, crazy stuff. In the first half, it's just going to be headlines and taking calls. In the second half, I want to talk. I'm going to dip into our reoccurring and recurring uh, dream thread, looking for some prophetic dreams. And we're also going to take a call somewhere mixed in there uh, with a, a member of the audience. His name is Pat Pompey Pat. He's calling in for a little while to talk about precognitive dreams. In fact, I'm going to call him. But anyway, that's what we're doing tonight. So I hope you enjoy yourself and have a good time. Where the hell is the... Where's the other thing I got for you? Oh, here it is. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. The first one up is from The, the View. Every once in a while, these freaks, they get into the mix. And I just, I have to put it out there. Now, there is a clip. Here is Whoopi Goldberg having another, you know, IQ moment, having a wonderful, she has a, a very, very high IQ, obviously, she's a very intelligent woman. Here she is saying that Trump is going to round up and disappear journalists and gay people. Take a listen to that. Either you want it to work forward thinking, you want everybody to have the ability to say how they feel, what they want to move forward, or you don't. Or you want somebody who says, I'm gonna be on day one, I'm gonna be a dictator. Yes, that's what, that's what I want. Keep going though. Who says it to you, tells you, I'm gonna put you people away, I'm gonna take all the journalists, I'm gonna take all the gay folks, I'm gonna move you all around yeah. and disappear you. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah 
No, he's been waiting for a second term to do all that, to disappear all the gays. If he disappeared all the gays in 2017, it would have been a, it would have been just way too soon. Too much, too soon, a bridge too far. So instead, he declared a global war on homophobia. You remember that? He declared war on homophobia. Yeah, no, they <laughs> watch out. And if you're a gay journalist out there, watch out double. You, you, I mean, you're just, you're gone. If you're gay, you, you're gone. You're gone. My gosh. So uh, th that's the first time I saw any media come out of the hags from the, the, the view. I was about to call it the zoo um, for many months. And they are just as uh, you talk about day, uh, you know, nighttime, late night comedy is done. Well, daytime comedy is still alive and well. Thank God. All right. Anyway, let's move into something else over here, and that is the smoking guns. So this might be coming out of Florida. It usually does. I think this might be just a, a Florida webzine, but I love these articles. Here you go. Headline, patron charged with Subway sandwich battery. On January 10th, from the smoking gun. Upset that his sandwich had not been sliced into two pieces, a Subway customer allegedly threw the offending hero at a store clerk, striking her with the grub. According to the police who uh, arrested the man for battery. Oh, oh wait. It was a man? That sounds like something a, a woman would have done. Cops say Alberto de Barros. Barros. 54 years old, was collared following a confrontation last night at Subway Restaurant near his residence in Stewart, Florida. Anybody live near there? Do you know about this incident? Subway worker Cassandra Pierre-Louis, or Pierre-Louis, told sheriff's deputies that De Barros, a licensed building contractor, oh, became upset with her after finding out that his sandwich was not separated. He's a contractor. He has a lot invested in the structural integrity of things, including sandwiches. When he sees a shoddy job done, it, he, what was he going to do? Stand by? Just let it go? Following a brief verbal exchange, which I wish I could hear. I can't tell you how much I wish I could hear that exchange. Pierre-Louis said de Barros, quote, began causing a disruptive scene. After the subway worker announced that she would no longer be serving him, the sandwich was thrown at Miss Pierre-Louis. The sandwich, which struck Pierre-Louis in her mid-to-lower body section, is not further described by investigators. What? You can't tell us if it was an Italian club or... It, it, what? I hope it wasn't one of the... Um, not tuna fish... But definitely not the Southwest steak with the, the the chipotle sauce on it. That would be that would be a real shame. I used to like that one. Put it on the garlic and herb bread back in the day with uh, with green peppers and red onions. Yeah, green peppers, red onions, the chipotle sauce, the Southwest sauce, uh, American cheese. And, um, and of course the steak, the, the cheese melted and the bread toasted. 
That used to be the that used to be awesome. Of course, I would want to go to sleep right afterwards. It's all sleepy poison. The bread, the bread put me right to sleep. Uh, when De Barros left the restaurant, Pierre Louis followed him outside and photographed the license plate, which led cops to his nearby Porpoise Circle townhouse. So, does anybody live in Porpoise Circle? Call in later on. All right, that's all I have for you on that front. Uh, anything else? Oh, there's one more. One more. There is... Uh, this is from Leo Zagami. He sent this over to me the other day, and I thought it was very interesting. And because we're going to be talking a little bit about immigration tonight, or it's not immigration, it's illegal aliens, it's an invasion. Here is... Oh, not an invasion. It's a, it's a meticulously planned rape. That's what I should say, you know. You know, if if a whole bunch of if a whole bunch of unarmed, you know, barefooted people are charging the national boundary of a self-respecting country, and nothing else is driving them to the country except the fact that they just wanted to break in and cause havoc, um, that would be very very easy to repel. You don't even you you don't even need lethal weapons to do that. You just you you put those active denial systems up there. Uh, sound systems, water, all that stuff, they're gone. They're gone. So it's an organized rape. Um, here's the headline from leozagami.com. Many illegal immigrants entering the U.S. are possessed by the devil. As exorcist warns, the cult of Saint Death at Santa Muerte worships Satan. I've heard about this before. A prominent exorcist in Mexico is warning about the many dangers surrounding the cult of Santa Muerte, Saint Death, now deemed satanic by, uh, by many in the Catholic Church. The so-called saint is a favorite of Mexican and Central American drug traffickers who are known to leave the, sever the severed heads of their enemies at, the at the, their improvised shrines, which feature, feature wax effigies and votive candles emblazoned with the skeletal image of Saint Death, a.k.a. Santa Muerte. Dressed in a flowing white robe and often wielding both a scythe and a globe, Santa Muerte is a scary cross between the Grim Reaper and the Virgin of Guadalupe, Mexico's patron saint, and is the main saint which emerges from the narco saints, worshipped by drug traffickers who pray to them for protection, riches, and the silence necessary to mask their sinister underworld dealings, which are in fact Satan's dealings. The pseudo-religious movement, with, uh, which at, uh, estimates up to 12 million devotees only in Mexico, is now growing inside and outside the cartels, amongst many of the illegal immigrants crossing our country's border every day since the arrival of Joe Biden in the White House as the U.S. American law enforcement officials struggling under the recent wave of legal migration crossings are documenting the increase of altars to the macabre saint. The Customs and Border Patrol protection, uh, Border Protection have released more than 2.3 million migrants into the United States at the southern border under the Joe Biden Jesuit administration, allowing in vast majority of migrant families and some adult groups, according to the new report issued by the Office of Homeland Security Statistics. And among them include a growing number of Santa Morte devotees, which we should categorize as Satanists. That's from Leo Zagami. There's a little bit more there, but it's all, uh, you know what's going on. It's just a little bit more of a... Uh, of testimony from some of the Catholic priests down there and exorcists that are saying this is real. I think that that was a, a good part of season two, the second season, the second season of uh, True Detective. 
that was it. Out in Los Angeles, there's a little bit of references to tunnels out there, still parties, new age cults, things like that. Um, but there was a smidgen of Santa Muerte as well. Anyway, we got stuff like that to do all night tonight. And I'm glad that you're going to be here for it. So don't go anywhere. When we come back, your calls, discussion, and then in the second half, we're going to go into your dreams as well. So thank you so much for being here on a Thursday night. We will be right back. Wherever the hell you're watching, please do me a favor and share this so we can bring some of your friends and family in who've never seen it before. And I will try not to embarrass you. All right, with that, see you on the flip. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Okay, you know, speaking of tunnels, it's been a couple of days since uh, we heard about the the Jewish tunnels in in Brooklyn, <laughs> and I haven't gotten too much on that. Everybody has their theories still, and you know, like I said before, this is one of those things where we're going to, um, for some of us, this will be the equivalent of our Chinese spy balloons. Just one of those things that really was in, in, incredible, and then all of a sudden just goes away. But I just want to reiterate. Though I have not seen any, you know, there's a lot, everybody's very passionate about what they think is going on there. And I know where my mind goes the first time I hear anybody has dug a tunnel under a city block without any permission or whatever. I think, I think okay, it's either drugs or people, whatever the hell. A lot of people said, hey, listen, the, the tunnels were not a, um, they were not just a, a route to get from one place to the other. They were the destination. And perhaps, but I don't know. And there's nothing out there. But I, I will just say this before it disappears altogether. There, again, it's just no legitimate reason to need that tunnel, to need it, to cross an entire city block. There's no, there's no, there's no reason for it. And to have that exit of the tunnel to be a mangled sewer grate on the sidewalk and... I don't know, to potentially damage the structural integrity of buildings and to have the diggers be non-American Israeli exchange students who coveted the tunnel so much that they were willing to destroy their temple and refuse to leave the tunnel without police physically removing them by force. What the fuck? Okay, before this all goes away, just remember, 
Whatever is known about this, there's nothing legitimate about it. Why did they covet the tunnel so much? You know? Um, so there's that, because we're, we mentioned tunnels before, and I've gotten a lot of email about that, and we haven't been able to follow up, so I figure I'd just throw that out there. All right, okay, okay, okay. So we have over here, oh, there is a little something. My mother texted me last night, and she asked, hey, Frank, what's going on with this uh, this debate? Um, Like, there's nobody there. There's barely anybody there. And I said, oh, I don't know. I, a, I haven't, I haven't really watched any of these debates. I've saw, I've seen clips and stuff, but um, I know that Chris Christie dropped out yesterday, and apparently there was a debate still last night. And I think this is a clip from it. I just, I love it. Uh, In pursuit of truth, made a little bit of a a cut up of uh, Vivek Ramaswamy really, uh, really taking Nikki Haley down again. And uh, and here's what he he gave the world. Take a look. This is from last night, apparently. Hold on, hold on, hold on. This is from last again from last night. Are you crazy? You're fucking. You are fucking. You are fucking. You fucking fucking you bloody you bloody you bloody bastard bitch. You fuck you fuck you bloody fuck you bloody fucking mother bloody fuck bitch bitch you fuck you. Oh, so it, it, I guess it was uh, some television worth watching last night. I just tend to, I, I miss these things these days. So I'll gotta, I got to keep on the lookout, even though we're, it's almost over. After Iowa, it really should be done for the most part. So that, uh, how, what a pathetic, pathetic um, primary season. It should have never even happened. Really pathetic. You say, well, Frank, well, people should be able to run. Yeah, I you should. You should also be able to take a look at the take a look at the the the, the playing field here. And I mean, unless you're just trying to launch your own brand, then fine. But this has been a mess. Anyway, it's almost over. Well, we have a few things going on right now that I thought really are interesting. Over here in Michigan, no, I'm sorry, not Michigan, in Minnesota, St. Paul. One of the the Twin Cities. St. Paul has elected, and it's very, very exciting, an all-female, mostly non-white city council. It's incredible. It's incredible. I want to, and I want to share this moment with you all and take a listen to some of the reporting. Here you go. I think you'll like this story. History was made in Minnesota's capital city of St. Paul today. Or should we say, herstory was made. Ugh. Well, yeah, so, yeah, so, you, you know, women reporting on women who were elected because vagina. Sounds like a lot, like hell to me. Anyway, let's keep going. St. Paul's new city council was sworn in this afternoon, made up entirely of women. Wow. And get this, six of the seven council members are women of color. Oh, and they are all under the age of 40. Wow. How many of them are on uh, antidepressants, too? Four of them are new members and say that affordable housing and access to child care are some of their top priorities. I'm, I'm sure. Congratulations to them and the people of St. Paul. I am betting that they get some stuff done. I am betting that this has all been one big fucking mistake. All of it. What does stuff getting stuff done even mean anymore? They're going to get it done. St. Paul has literally elected the Spice Girls. The Spice Girls are running St. Paul right now. 
Now, I know, I know, I know what it sounds like when I get into these moods and I see these stories, and I know that there are very, very many stand-up, cool-headed, principled ladies, especially in this audience, and I know many of you personally now, but I don't know, my gut just tells me that for every one woman who votes well, there are five Spice Girls who just want to strut around and snap their fingers. There's just something that my gut tells me. I don't have the statistics to back it up, so forgive me. But, uh, you know, to be fair, to be fair, because it's all about diversity, um, let's go to the penis end of the diversity spectrum. And we, for that, we will go to New York, and you'll see it doesn't get that much better. So I'm going to be fair about this. Here is uh, Reverend Mayor Eric Adams, <laughs> who I'm going to just call him Reverend Mayor from now on. Uh, here he is. He wanted, he took, he took to uh, television, made in a public appearance with his entourage of hitmen to talk about the next phase of his illegal alien vision. He's got a vision, don't you know? Take a listen to this. It is my vision uh, to take the next step to this, to go to the faith-based uh, locales, and then move to uh, private residence. Uh, there you heard that? Faith-based locales, churches, soup kitchens, auditoriums, things like that. And then move to private residences. They're going to go door to door asking who wants to give their spare bedroom to the three West African, uh, you know, 35-year-old males that are uh, hungry and horny. There are residents who are suffering right now because of economic challenges. They have spare rooms. Uh, they have locales. And if we can find a way to get over the 30-day rule and other rules that government has in, in its place, we can take that $4.2 billion, $4.3 it may be now, that we potentially have to spend, and we can put it back in the pockets of everyday New Yorkers, everyday houses of worship, instead of putting it in the pockets of corporations. And some of those corporations... They're all going to be in the pockets of corporations. Who do you think who do you think is going to gobble up all of the hotels? Who do you think is going to gobble up all of the hotels that are that are no longer hotels? They're they're refugee camps. No, I'm sorry, they're not refugees. Who who do you think is going to do that? So I love how he's saying we got four point something billion dollars that came from somewhere. It's probably federal money or whatever the hell it is because you know they they would not be able to run a city. Uh, without a pacifier in their mouth, without some federal tit being shoved down their throat. Um, so for the $4.3 billion that we can put back into the hands of New Yorkers and you know uh, places of worship and all that stuff, why? Uh, would you want to make ends meet by accepting foreign nationals into your basement, even if that paid you a little bit of money? Is that is that how... That, that's how you're stimulating the economy. You're putting homeless foreign nationals into people's homes and giving them a little bit of money. I mean, think about it. it it's just incredible. But this is part of this is part of the the cycle that we're in. You know, it's over and over again. We get the same thing. We got fifty thousand migrants just showed up to the city. It's an emergency, and we need resources. Okay, we'll send them back to the border. Nah, we're going to commandeer five-star hotels and let the migrants shit in the hallways until the building owners sell the property. Oh, okay, okay. Next day, we've got another 10,000 more people just showed up. It's an emergency. 
We need resources. How about send them back? No, no, no. We're going to give them scooters and emergency working papers. Oh, okay. The next day, uh, we got another 30,000 more people just showed up to New York. It's an emergency. We need resources. How about send them back? Nah, we're going to fly some of them to any destination in the world. Oh, okay. The next day. Oh, we have 45,000 more people just showed up. It's an emergency. We need more resources. How about send them back? No, nah, no, we're going to send school children home so the migrants could live in the schools and shit in the hallways there. Oh, gotcha. The day after. We have another 23,000 more people just showed up to here, here in New York. It's an emergency. We need more resources. How about send them back below the border? Nah, we're going to put them in churches and people's private homes. You, you see, guys, listen, I know some of you still think that the sanctuary city mayors are getting owned right now, but they're declaring emergencies to save face while doing everything they can to keep the illegals in the city. In the country, I should say, because if they wanted to leave the city, they can. Okay. This, they want this, and mayors are disposable. They're disposable. You think Mayor Adams is going to be there? He's going he's gonna to walk around with the weight of this on his shoulders his whole life? He's going to be gone soon. It's going to be somebody else. I mean, the plan is greater than the mayor. They're going for the jugular now. I was talking about this a little bit with Adel earlier on. I was talking a little bit about it with Charlie Robinson on his show the other day. You know, they've been doing this gradually for decades now. And it's just time to accelerate to the finish line. That's how I see it, at least. Maybe there's some other aspect to this and, and th that can be incorporated that kind of jives with what I'm seeing. But, you know, the borders aren't open because they want to turn Texas blue. They, you know, the, the borders are open because they just want to have 100 million foreign dependents spread throughout the country having six babies apiece as quickly as possible. If that sounds like an ugly assessment to you, I'm sorry, but it looks like an ugly plan, and it's a fairly obvious plan to boot, at least to me, and we're at the phase right now where people are going to get upset. They're going to get upset, um, and uh, you can only back your prey up into a corner with reassurances and lies for so long until they have to go for the throat and, and break the neck. You know, you tell people, oh, everything's fine. There's not a there's no crisis at the border everything's okay things are okay in the city you're just backing people up backing people up and you just finally you grab them by the throat and you wring the the pigeon's neck i mean that's just it's what you do now i know they're pissing their base off you say well frank they're really they're really pissing off their base you know uh especially uh urban black communities and all that they're they're the ones being displaced first by all of these these uh unskilled um uh, mostly military-aged ma males that are coming in, these dependents that are coming in, and there's a lot of things that are being offloaded, a lot of things that are being re um, reinvested into these, you know, non-citizens. So we're at the phase now where we're going, we're going to see people getting upset, and they're pissing off their base in certain uh, parts of the country. Um, but, you know, th this is where everyone is going to learn, and I hope because I don't know what we can do with the amount of time left, but um, I hope that they that everybody can see how little they actually care about the black vote 
especially the black vote, because this whole time it's really just been a really valuable scalp for them. Um, you you probably have seen this. I think she is a um, I think she's a comedian or something. She TikToks a little bit. Anyway, um, I saw this uh, getting around on on Twitter today, and I've been seeing a lot of this lately. But I thought that this was pretty nice. You got to take a look at it. Take care. This is what the fuck happens when you vote for skin tone. This is what happens when you vote because you're so damn desperate you want a woman in office. The only reason why slow-ass Joe that got his ass as president is because of that glitch bitch Kamala. Everybody was so desperate to put a black woman. Oh, well, I got to stop her there. That's not the reason why. That's not the reason. Kamala Harris did nothing to that ticket. Remember, before she bowed out of the primary, she was polling less than 1%. Okay, she was universally hated. All right. It, 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 she, she was wall dressing, but she did not inspire anybody to do anything. Which she ain't black as vice president. And now the whole country fucked the fuck up. The whole country. How the hell you bring in all these illegals and don't know where the fuck to put them? Just for votes. Because the dad folks voting didn't work. We done caught on to that bullshit. And now y'all gonna take all them cheering out of school. Why the fuck did y'all choose Chicago? So now most of them children are black children got to sit at home because y'all don't... Man, y'all getting on my motherfucking nerves. Y'all sit up there doing this shit to mostly minority black children, but Trump the racist. No, you motherfuckers are racist. I'm getting sick of this shit for real. I'm dead ass serious. Y'all better fix this shit. What about the fucking parents? All those black people that fund and keep the goddamn school open, they children got to sit the fuck at home and they got to figure out what the fuck to do. How the fuck they supposed to work? I'm telling you, Joe and Ho, y'all got to fucking go. I'm fixing to march to the fucking United States government. I'm for real. I'm for real. I'm fixing to join motherfucking Trump because there ain't no way, Ho. Yeah, well, you know, see, this is the... I, hey, I like the passion. I love it. I love the passion. I really do. I really do. You know, but it's one thing to say racist, and there is racial impacts, no doubt about it. There's always going to be racial impacts, um, but it, it it truly is just a lack of value on human life in general. You need to value human life so little to be able to make stacks of poker chips out of people, knowing how treating this group like this will will get you this much um, clout and this much political advantage, this and that. You can leverage this group against this group a little bit. You can turn them against each other so you can go and do your magic over here. I mean, you need to look at mankind as a whole as something that is insectoid to be able to operate like that. So to be able to get down into the minutia of you know racial politics, that's nothing. That is nothing. And think about it, ladies and gentlemen. What is the black vote, really? You have 13% of the population. Not all that 13% vote. And though they lean heavily Democrat historically, it's not all Democrat voters. So this, for the Democrats, even though it's been a, a key block, I think it's been key for the most part in its symbolism. Okay. The black vote for Democrats is merely the backbone of their racial antagonism schemes. They like to antagonize everybody, black and white, on, on racial 
racially divided grounds so that business can be done. If they can keep a portion of black Americans antagonized, that's great press for the party. If they're antagonized, if they're if they're a little depressed, a little oppressed, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, kept down in some way. Hindered by bad education, by fighting against things like school choice, which is just so common sense. It's so common sense to say, hey, listen, if we're going to spend money on children to go get educated, how about we just give an allotment of all that money that would have been invested in them anyway to each household and they can go make a choice to go to a school outside of their district instead of being hampered by terrible uh, schools that have no accountability for how bad they're performing and the terrible teachers that they have in there. Or to give, give students who care about their lives a chance to get away from kids who are violent, lost causes. And I hate to write children off, people off that young. But you know what? If you can assess what's going on in your school district and you know that the kids there are, are going to harm your children and are going to drag them down a bad path, they, they give them some choice. Things like that they stand up against, you know? And of course, the bigger, the bigger things that were, these things that used to be involved in our lives a lot more and used to mitigate a lot of this was things like community and church involvement. That used to be a big thing. But now, you know, you know, and, and that's another reason why people usually say hell no to, um, to school choice, because if, if children, God forbid, if children and their parents chose to go to a school that's a Catholic school or something, something like that. They want to go to any school that is private and also in any way, shape, or form religious. They say that the the giving of money to children to go and spend it at at, at schools that are religious in any way, shape, or form is a violation of the First Amendment. Is it really? No, they, they just want to make sure that there's absolutely no serious religious education as well. Because that is something that draws you away, slowly but surely, away from the dependency of, of the false gods in, in the government. So there's just little tiny things like that there. And, and they, they love the antagonism. It, it, it's great. They love it. It gives their party purpose. But let's be honest. Uh, white liberals, especially white liberal women, gave us Barack Obama. I voted for Barack Obama in 2008. Okay, lots of black voters had already jumped ship on Obama in 2012. They already saw that the the, the bloom had come off the rose and nothing was actually really improving for them. And what they get? Nothing. By 2012, instead of a, uh, you know, instead of a boost, they got Trayvon Martin and the beginning of the really increased uh, era of race riots and all that other shit. That's what that's what everybody got in 2012. So they don't care about displacing anybody's vote, including white voters at this point, because also let's remember 81 million beating hearts did not vote for Joe Biden. Okay. There were not 81 million beating hearts behind the, the, behind those votes. So uh, it, this is really just about, this is really just about chaos. And, um, and the fact that they keep delivering it through those same channels of diversity and, you know, we need help, all that shit. It's, it's just ridiculous. It keeps going. It keeps going. 
All right. Uh, let's take a really quick break. When we come back, we'll do a little bit more, and I'm going to open up the lines, and I'm going to get you uh, calling in. It's 914-200-0269. Don't go anywhere. This is the training scene from Rocky Three. It's really, really just a fantastic montage. I love how at first he can't even hit. He can't even he's, hit the he, he's been a, well, I don't think that he ever used that mid-bag, but so, the fact that he was a pro fighter for as long as he was and he doesn't even have basic footwork. Even no bacon, he's like, please, I mean, come on. Please, Apollo, teach me. I don't even know how to do this anymore. You see? Great. White guy, black guy, nobody cares. Oh, he's really pumped. He's great getting look there. at that, dude. He's in fucking great shape. Get it. That's not easy. Even if you know that, you know, Rocky and Apollo Creed, those guys are famous boxers in this universe. Okay? You look down at the beach from the boardwalk. <laughs> you can't see it's them. All you see are two jacked guys playing with each other in the surf, hugging each other. You're on the boardwalk, and you see this. And tell me what goes through your mind. Splash fight. <laughs> No, wait, look, look, keeps going. Look, yes! All right, all right. Like, oh, that's nice. Look at those two jack gay guys enjoying a nice day, going for a run. Let's keep going, <laughs> let's keep going. Now that we're on the right track here. Oh, oh, oh wait. Oh, it, it, look, this is, it, <laughs> I'm catching you, Paolo. I'm almost there. I'm gaining on you. I'm gaining on you, Paolo. <laughs> <laughs> Apollo looking jacked as ever. <laughs> Damn, this white motherfucker's fast. <laughs> I'm determined. I love it. Look at the, look at that. Look yeah, it's the best part of the movie when they show mm. the, the thighs like that. Look, oh, just that definition. Look at those thighs, Matt. What do you think when you see those thighs? What do you want? I want thighs like Rocky. Don't you want thighs like Rocky? <laughs> oh, those are the good days. They're all good days, aren't they? That's a little bit of a throwback. I don't know. That felt like 2018. That felt like 2018. <laughs> you know, we were watching it. It's like, you know, if you're really... Because I, I had recently watched Rocky back then. And that the training montage came up. I said, you know... It's one thing just to watch the montage, but it's a one, another thing to watch the montage, especially them jumping in the surf together from the perspective of somebody walking down the boardwalk and just looking out onto the surf and just seeing two jacked, sweaty guys playing and splashing each other and hugging. I said, <laughs> that's... <laughs> all right, well, now that you're all gay, you're all gay for having watched that. I just want to let you know. All right, let's take some calls. 914-200-0269. 914-200-0269. And here's another reason why we should uh, very quickly get um, school choice and other things uh, or getting kids out of school. Here's the uh, here, here's a headline for you from the Daily Caller. Rice University offers Afrochemistry class to address inequities in chemistry. So apparently black chemistry is 
much different than anything else. Well, we'll see how that works out for everybody. Uh, Ray, you're on the air. Go ahead. Frankie, what's up, man? How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. I'm just just getting amped up by what you're talking about, brother. You know, <laughs> the usual over here. All right. Well, get, well, get, give me a little something that's going through your mind. Cool. Well, so I'm talking about the the migrant situation. It, it Frankie, it's it's enough is enough. Like I don't know where to me. Where are the people like the New Yorkers who are supposed to be rallying in the streets and and and, and like being pissed off. I'm so pissed off, Frank. Like I'm a Bronx Bronx boy, and I'm I'm just tired of the the nonsense that I'm seeing every single day. I work here at Grand Central, and you you, you got these migrants here who are, who are being ticketed and bussed and trained into different places like West, you know, um, by Plains, Connecticut, you know, freely and uh, not one bit of English, but yet, you know, they have like about three or four kids with them. And that's, and that's understandable. I just feel bad for them because they are now kicked out of where they, you know, where they were told to go. And now they just put on the street. I just saw a recent video of uh, homeless people sharing food with some of these migrants. <laughs> And John Adams High School, high school kicked out their students and to, to, to have these, uh, that's in Queens, to have the migrants um, housed there for a little while until they figure out where they're going to put them. I mean, where are the parents? Where are the people supposed to be, you know, feeling upset and uh, uptight about this whole situation? I just want to know where's all, that all at. You know what I mean? I know. I know. Uh, and you, But again, again, to, to empty out schools to figure out what we're going to do to at least have a stopgap measure to figure out what you're going to do. I mean, what is there to do? They can't stay. They can't stay no. here. I, no, I, they cannot. You know, cannot. and it and it doesn't it doesn't mean you know. It, I'll tell you the the one thing that does invoke a little bit of uh, compassion is when you see a child, definitely uh -huh. a, a child that is too young uh -huh. to have made these types of terrible decisions on their own behalf. You know, especially one that was sent alone or one that's just being dragged along for the ride, being used by photographers for for shots. Right. Uh, whatever the hell it is that does right. that does by but all the adults. I don't I couldn't care less because this is just this is horrendous. This is horrendous. And, and so, but, so what do you Correct. do? How do you even let them off the buses? What I don't understand. Pack the buses back up full of snacks and bottled water and you got to send them back mm -hmm. down. You have to send them back down. Correct. You have to send them. Yeah, and Frank, did you see the videos of them walking in droves? When I mean, like, it's like a parade of them walking into the, you know, across the border. And I'm like, okay, who gave them the the the, the heads up? Hey, this is going on in, in in America. Go ahead over there. And then when they get here, it's like, okay, what do we do now? Because they they already had a stabbing over in Randall's Island, uh, a massive a stabbing. And you know, I don't know if you know, they took over that field. And Randall's Island, that field where uh, they normally have soccer games and stuff for the kids. I, I remember they, they took it so over. Yeah, yeah, they took that over. So they just recently had a stabbing, uh, a bad stabbing over there, and in, inside them, and over there. And I'm like, okay, so these are things that's happening. These people are gonna run out of food, run out of places where to live, and then they're gonna have their children. They're gonna are these are parents who are concerned that their children are here, are halfway starving. So what they're gonna do? They're gonna go through anything, do anything to to make sure they you know, are fed and housed. And what does that lead to? Prostitution. Doing, you know, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Look at Queens. Queens is, is really bad. Oh my God. Like it's like um, Venezuela over there. And it's, it's, it's so bad, Frank. And um, I'm just like, where's everybody at going to say, no, you know what the, the problem is, Frank? 
too many people in New York City don't care. They have this this mentality of it's none of my business, and let me just keep going on um, my my day day by day, and that's the problem here in New York. Do you see and that a lot? Do you see that a lot in your in your a lot, Frank, with your own uh, people in your in your people yeah. in your in your own. Uh, your circles too, not only in private life but also professional life. You see a lot of complacency. Oh, yeah. oh, absolutely, absolutely, and they don't say a thing about anything no more. They don't. They feel like if they do say something or, or um, it, they'll get in trouble for it. It's just, especially in a professional where I work at Metro North. They, you know, they feel like you know they can get in trouble for it because we got a couple of people who went down to January sixth. You know, already got hit for that, so they feel like, oh, this is the type of uh, mindset you're going off of. We're going to hit you with something, so they feel like, you know, let me stay away from that. Hmm. Let me just mind my own business. You know what I mean? That's the whole problem. And I, I'm getting tired of Frankie. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm, I'm look, looking to pack up and leave my family. Um, now we're looking for a house up in Connecticut somewhere. We get out of here, man. It's uh, I, hey, listen, I, I don't um, I don't blame you. And and there's a lot going yeah. on. And, and there's it, there, now there's something you said there. And thank you for the call, Ray. It's always good to hear from you. Absolutely. Yeah, I hope I yeah, I got to hear more from Ray. That those are the voices that we need more calling in, especially when we talk about this from the location that we're talking about. But you know, there is that complacency. There is that also. Hey, listen, uh, don't be the nail that sticks up that gets hammered back down. Uh, it gets to a point where that doesn't matter anymore. And I guess if you have a little bit more. Depending on and this is the horrible thing about a progressive society like we have, is that when you have a little bit more of a stack system, your complaints and your thoughts are valued more based on how you look. And um, and unfortunately, that is why I feel a little bit more excited when I see Black Americans getting angry about things who otherwise had never really cared to to wonder before or 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 felt any kind of heat before I like seeing black americans getting angry about things politically declaring their independence asking better questions because let's be honest they have a lot of capital they have a lot of capital in this this racial caste system that is being built up around here now of course they'll start realizing that once they stop thinking like a democrat then they will be called crypto white supremacists. But um, you know, I I, I just got to I just got to be frank about shit like that. You guys don't think that sometimes that you don't root on uh, you know so called minority groups to see the light with things because they have been given so much political privilege at this point that it would be amazing to watch it all just backfire for a couple of really good months. That's what I would love. Um, it doesn't mean that everybody else should just shut up until they, they show up. But I, I mean, that, that is going to be the difference maker, especially with pushing back on, uh, you know, LGBT incorporated would love, would love to see a, a bigger, you know, pushback on all that from everybody that they think that they represent. That would be fantastic. Let's take another call. Hello, caller. You're on the air. Go ahead. What's up, Frank? How you doing, bud? I'm doing all right. Who's this? This is John from North Carolina. John from North Carolina. Go ahead, give us your best thoughts. Hey, man, uh, I thought it was pretty funny that you went right to the prostitution on that last call while you're wearing that Callahan Auto Parts uh, shirt there. kind of reminds me of that scene when they're sitting around the table and the old lady's like, and that's when the whores start and coming around. And that's when the whores start coming around. <laughs> <laughs> you visit a whore, hooker one time in the war. 
and she never lets it go. Okay, yeah, yeah. Go, go. I'm, I'm going to find that clip. Go ahead, give me your thoughts, so I can find have that clip ready afterwards. Right on. Yeah, man. Uh, have you seen the stuff with John Hopkins, the uh, DEI chief? This the letter that she sent out. No, what happened? I, there's been so many of these uh, lately. I, I have not seen anything with Johns Hopkins, but I did see so much more on on the state of the air of, the, of American airline companies uh, with what they're trying uh, to do yeah. with diversity quotas in in air travel, which I'm not. I yeah, mean, it, as their doors are blowing off, and uh, they're worried that babies are going to get sucked out yeah, of the plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, 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 like the top that one train, that one plane whose doors blew off. I think the 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 manuf- the the developers was like a, a crack team of all women. And if oh, they, they had that, uh, they said that they. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but they said that uh, there was multiple alarms on that same plane that went off, and they knew about it. And that the crew could have known that that sensor or whatever it was had already had issues, so it should have been grounded. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, and that's one thing. And you know, here's the other thing, John. If you survive the plane crash, then uh, you might get the DEI doctor afterwards. So be careful. Yeah, I don't know, but if you if you get sucked out of a door at sixty thousand feet, you might be fucked. I right. don't know though. You might make it, maybe if you get get a good. Uh, you hit the ground with a roll, like Matt said, or some of that. I think he was talking about that one time. But yeah, man, the DEI chief from Johns Hopkins, they sent out a letter just straight out saying that white Christian men are all privileged and they're born with privilege and they have no choice but to be privileged. Uh, it's kind of crazy. And I work in a place that's Canadian based down here in North Carolina. It's a mining company. And I was uh, scrolling around Facebook today and I seen that they posted. I didn't even know they were going to do this, but they went out of their way to pay a company that we rent or lease our equipment from. They put pink panels on the damn uh, excavator, saying that it's uh, it's for uh, breast cancer awareness. But this thing's gonna be in a fucking mine, and who's gonna fucking see it? Like, what's the point of that, man? I think I, I think all of me and my fellow coworkers would have had a little bit more money in our paychecks instead of that nonsense. Well, but they're always they're always grifting, and corporate the corporate stuff is just getting wild with the whole woke thing. Anyway, you got hey, sure listen, listen, John. You, you got to raise awareness, John. It's all about awareness. Thank you so much for the call. Uh, I, listen, you're not going to believe this next thing. By the way, I, I got the uh, I got the Tommy Boy clip. Hold on. <laughs> That's when the whores come in. If this factory goes under, the whole town goes under. And that's when the whores come in. Here we go. Excuse me, what was that? Men laying their trick money down, $20 to pay the rent. Maybe instead I'll spend it on the whore. Frank, I really don't think we have any choice. Maybe I can help. I'll give you everything I've got. My house, the stock. If I will, I'll go on my dad's sales trip. I'll be damned. Whores running around doing their little behind shake for the menfolk. I kind of like her idea. For Christ's sake. Once during the war, I visited a prostitute, and my life has been a living hell ever since. <laughs> I should I should remember that. That's when the whores come in. It's true. I just happened to be watching this tonight. Good old Callahan Auto Parts. Good on John from North Carolina for picking that up. But listen to this. If you thought the DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, which should actually be D-I-E, die, because it kills everything that it touches. I could not believe this one from the Atlantic. Skull and bones. We're talking about the 
society of secrets, skull and bones, that has produced countless uh, American presidents and diplomats and uh, skull and bones and equity and inclusion. Did you hear what I say? One evening in 2019, a windowless building known as the tomb in the center of Yale's campus, the members of Skull and Bones snapped. There they were, having been granted membership to the most elite secret society at one of the most elite universities in the world, part of a rare group that for generations included individuals from the most powerful families on the planet. Vanderbilts, Rockefellers, and Buckleys have all been in Skull and Bones. Three bonesmen would go on to become presidents of the United States. Their traditions include oaths of secrecy upon admission and antics like stealing and gravestone, uh, as stealing the gravestone of Yale's founder. And the rumors about them that the that the bones tombs contain several adult skulls are legendary and an intense source of campus gossip. But there in the tomb, surrounded by oil oil portraits of former bonesmen, all white all chosen by the society's alumni board, the current members felt overcome, not by the achievements of those who had come before them or by the possibilities that lay ahead, but instead by the organization's long history of exclusion. It's a fucking... Guys! God help me. Oh, just rain hell down upon us. So the students did what they had to be done. They pulled the portraits down. Oh, good, good. And replaced them with homemade signs criticizing the secret society's record of keeping people of color out of its ranks. See, ladies and gentlemen, how upset are you that your favorite secret society fraternity is getting too woke? Please call in tonight with that. I, to me, I think it's about time. There are just way too many white people masturbating in coffins. Way too many, way too many white people masturbating for each other in coffins. This was not only the this was not the only act of Skull and Bones rebellion in 2019. During an all expenses paid trip with George W. Bush in Texas that year, one or more members confronted the ex president, who wrote in his 1999 autobiography, "Quote." I joined Skull and Bones, a secret society, so secret that I can't say anything more. And they criticized him for leading America into the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, according to several people familiar with the trip. I mean, what the hell is the point of being in a secret society if you're not going to chop the world up however the fuck you want it? My gosh. When the Skull and Bones goes woke, we got an issue. Calling all cars, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) It's uh, skull and boners. Somebody just said in the uh, in the in the gilded. I mean, this is just. There's no end to it, man. There's none. There's none. Okay, so uh, yeah, we got a little bit of time. Let's take a let's take another call. Nine one four two zero 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 two six nine. One more call before we go to break and bounce over to quite frankly TV. I also want to thank everybody who is becoming uh, all the new people out there who have never sponsored the show before, who have been becoming sponsors on Subscribestar. We're getting closer and closer to the day that we can go 100% um, independent and uh, and across all platforms for a full two hours again. I really do appreciate you all. It's been great. It only needed like, I don't know, might still take about a month or so or who knows, but I'm very grateful for you all. Thank you. Um, 
and I have a lot of other things to do in the second half. I hope you'll join us. We're going to be going into your dreams soon. I have a little bit. We have not jumped into the the dream repository in a while. This is the show thread that's at the top of the Quite Frankly Forum, reoccurring and recurring dream repository. I was looking for prophetic dreams, precognitive dreams, because we're going to be having one of our audience members call in with a little bit on that. I wanted to ask him some questions because he said a couple of really interesting things in an email a couple of months ago. I thought tonight, tonight might be good. Can't keep talking about the migrant crisis. But there is a little something that I will tease the second half for, which I guess we'll just go to right now. You want to talk about precognition. Well, the World Economic Forum and all their friends, they really have got a handle on the future, don't they? So everybody's been talking about this. This is straight from weforum.org. Preparing for Disease X. They're going to be talking about this. I think Klaus Schwab is going to be there as well on January 17th, next week. With fresh warnings from the World Health Organization that an unknown disease X could result in 20 times more fatalities than the coronavirus pandemic, what novel efforts are needed to prepare healthcare systems for the multiple challenges ahead? Wow. Wow. Their warning is coming. Disease X is coming. It's like the, the the cicadas that burrow themselves underground. Oh, they're going to come out this year. They've been sleeping for like three years now. Yeah, they're coming out. They're coming out. Disease X is coming. How do you know that disease X is coming? That they've been talking about since at least as far back as I've been tracking it. I remember doing those those articles in the first studio in like 2013, 2014. Bill Gates making uh, making, you know, warnings about disease X is coming. That had been a long time. They knew. They knew. Now, as far as the rollout day day goes, it who knows? They probably, maybe it was a little bit farther down the line. Maybe it was a little bit farther down the line, but once Trump showed up, they're just like, this might have to be, we might have to roll it out sooner. Preparing for disease X. This has been going out around a little bit. 20 times more fatalities. When you consider the 17 million that uh, have been attributed to something, and you think about the, the numbers that they project and how they've accrued those numbers, 20 times that, what on earth is going to trigger that kind of death? Hmm. Anyway, anyway, talk about precognition. We'll be talking about that and more in the second half, and I hope that you join me. Uh, it is just two clicks over, ladies and gentlemen. If you're on YouTube, Rumble, Rockfin, the direct links for our Pilled channel are right in the description below. I share them across all of our socials as well, and if all else fails, you can go to quitefrankly.tv, which is also powered by Pilled and Foxhole. No paywall, no strings attached, no holds barred. Just press play. And again, this episode will be uploaded in its entirety later tonight to podcast, to rumble, to rockfin, to bit shoot, and um, but as you know, there's nothing like live. Click over. I want to get some of your calls. We're going to be taking it a step back and going into something a little bit more, I don't know, strange, my kind of thing. All right. See you in a bit. The rest of the show is available exclusively at pilled.net. Follow the link in the description of the episode. Get signed up. It's that easy. Or head on over to quitefrankly.tv, just press play. No paywalls, no censorship, no strings attached. So head on over, quitefrankly.tv, 
powered by Foxhole and Pilled.net. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to intermission. We'll be right back. Quite frankly. 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 Qu
Sean Joe, pretty soon there will be no more uh, black Congress people from New York. Why is that? I don't know about that. Uh, let's see here. Sean Joe, thank again. Everybody's uh, passing around month-long subscri subscriptions. Braves Piano, Chai Possum, Mr. Autumn says no more gay Rocky. Well, we'll see. I may not be able to hold myself back. Secret Weapons says, thanks, Frank. Thank you, Secret Weapon. Karen Hare, Braves Piano again. And Karen Hare again says, cracking me up. Well, good. I want to crack everybody up. All right, so where are we now? Here is the... Uh... Yes. So I want to jump into our, our thread. And if you guys and gals ever have any kind of prophetic dreams or anything like that that you think is really, really interesting and you want to just put it on the record, then go ahead and get into the reoccurring and recurring dreams repository on the, quite frankly, forum, because it's always up there for this exact reason. Now, I was thinking about this. Actually, got another email over here. I'll do that in a second. I was thinking about this last night because I've been having strange dreams. Nothing that I think was very prophetic. Not like the only, I haven't had a prophetic dream in a while, a couple of years. Strange things. I remember when, oh man, I, I remember a few of them. Definitely the gold coins one with Jimmy Carter dying in my bedroom and things like that. And uh, Billy Crystal with a long black pea coat in a, uh, in the Hudson River as it had been drawn back and there was no water there, but he was standing in front of the uh, the sign. You know when the ball drops in New York and it comes down and it hits the bottom and boom, the, the new year lights up? Well, it was the new year for 1971, which we theorized it was because of the currency and, and uh, the gold standard going away. All in marquee signs, old marquee sign uh, bulbs and all that. Very strange things. I haven't had anything like that in a while, but I do have strange dreams all the time, and I was wondering what people are coming up with. And then I got an email from uh, from Pompey Pat, which I'm gonna call in just a second, who said, Frank, I've been having precognitive dreams since I was six years old. I said, really? Well, I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions. Can I ask you a couple of questions? But first, I wanna get into what you guys and gals have sent in. I'm going to go to page five on this. I think there was a couple of good ones around post 63 and 64. Let's see. Where do we have it? Here we go. This is from Patriot Joker. It says, Frank, I had a really strange dream. I was at a family gathering when everyone around me started saying, Rob218. My name is Rob. They were repeating it over and over again, Rob 218. Then I saw my cousin and she was holding a clipboard and she started reading from it. She read, Biden will be out of office on 218. Then she also read three or four other things that will happen in the future, but I can't remember any of them. I guess we'll see if any of that was uh, psychic. 218, you must say. Let's see, 218. If it's... February 18th, that is a Sunday. 2.18. Okay, well, keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen. 
Keep that in mind. That is from uh, Patriot Joker. Paulie9363 says, Hi, Frank. Paulie here. I've never had a recurring dream before. Thinking back, I knew you had a thread going. The first time I had a dream, I just thought it was a bad dream. But the second time really freaked me out, and I thought about telling you. Well, it happened again. I dreamt that I was shitting in my bed, waking up and thinking, oh, no. But the first two times, I was so relieved. Wow, it was only a dream, almost like a memory from a diaper day or something like that. Then when it happened the third time, it was still just a dream. But now I get to tell Frank. Maybe he'll read about it on the show. No, I didn't actually crap in my sleep. But I do. if I do, I'll call in and tell you. Still, three three dreams about taking a crap in your bed is is pretty interesting. It really is. And, you know, I've tried over the last couple of years of changing Aurora's diaper and just having, you know, having her be in diapers all the time where, you know, when she's gone to the bathroom and, and all that stuff. I've tried to empathize and so I just tried to remember. I don't know if I was just trying to simulate it in my head or if I even had any memories left. I have one memory of having a diaper changed. I do. I have one memory of having a diaper changed. I don't know. I, I just remember just, you know, the wipes and the smell. Not of the of the crap, but I remember the smell of the wipes and the diaper. You know, that's just a familiar thing to me. Um, And in, in a personal way, too, not just because I've been around babies and diapers and I know what, you know, uh, you know wet wipes smell like. So it's one of those things where it's very vague. And I try to put myself in that position, you know, in, in an with uh, with Aurora, I was like, do I remember what it feels like to have a load of crap in my pants? The fact that she's running around and I can see that there's a giant load of crap in her pants. You know, I, I try to just like put myself into that mindset. Do I remember? I, I, it's not. I, I don't think it's a memory. I think it's more just like imagination, you know, or a fantasy. I want to be able to run around with, my, with crap in my pants. I can't bring myself to do it. Anyway, um, let's see here. We got one over here from Black Orchid. Said, I've had a prophetic dream, or I've had dreams before. One started when I was really small. I had it many times about being shot in the head. And every time I would take the blood, I would take the blood and write, it doesn't hurt on the ground. I don't know who I was writing it to at the time. 23 years later, I had someone put a gun to my head, and I saw in bright letters, it doesn't hurt. That's what actually saved my life. I just kept getting my possessions out of the house and ignored the guy with the gun. Wait, 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 wait a second. Wait a second. Black Orchid. When you're 23, wait, what, what does that mean? You had a gun to your head and you had to keep getting the possessions out of the house? What does that mean? Can Black Orchid, can you call in at some point? I have to call. I'm going to call a Pompeii Pat right now. But Black Orchid's going to have to call in. What the hell does that mean? Why were you kept? Why did you have to keep moving possessions out of a house with a gun to your head? What was the situation? But that is pretty, uh, that is pretty crazy. For that to pop up. For that to be almost like one of those core memories. I have a lot of weird core memories like that. Uh, and the fact that it's a core memory from a dream, that's something crazy. Because it really just goes to show that dreams take you places and they leave marks on your life. That you can remember dreams sometimes better 
you know, 25 years later than you do something else, you know, a theme park that you went to with your parents or something like that. Um, it's nuts. It really is. Okay, I'm going to call up Pompey Pat. He's a, a member of the audience, and I want to see what the hell's going on. Okay, here we go. Hello. Hey, Pat. It's Frank. Yeah. How you doing, man? Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you just fine. Good. Okay. So, Pat, because we don't have too much time, and I want to be able to have what we talk about inspire some calls from the audience, I would love for you to briefly describe, because I, I know from what you, what you told me that this started very early with you, I want you to briefly yeah. describe the dreams and the premonition, the type of dreams and premonitions you would have, and the first memory you have of them. So you mean you want me to have a memory of the first dream, or you want me to list all of the? You want me to list the major ones, and then? Oh yeah, well, well, how about this? Tell me the first one that you remember that you that you can go to and say that's when I knew that this was something more than just a random, you know, subconscious light show in my brain at night. That it was something more. What was the first time that you realized it was something different? And then you can talk about the major things that you've encountered. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Sure. Go ahead. Oh, now, right now. Yeah, yeah, we're on the air. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought we were pre okay. <laughs> sure. Um, sorry about that, folks. It's okay. Um, yeah, yeah. It was a strange. It was strange growing up. Um, the first one when I knew there was something major going on is I used to raise uh, pigeons, and I I also raised hawks, uh, birds of prey. And not exactly at the same time, but, uh, and so that was my escape to get away, to get out, you know, out of the house and, and mess around with the birds and such there on our place. And, um, I, I had a dream one night and it, it was probably, that would have been my second dream. I had a dream one night that the, uh, pigeons had all been killed. And I kept them in a pen in the backyard, and I had, you know, uh, chicken wire. I had, I had coops for them. It was pretty secure. And uh, so during the daytime, I'd let them fly around. I didn't like having them caged up. And then at night, I would get them in the, ca in the large pen and keep them uh, protected. Well, one night, I, uh, I had a uh, dream that they'd all been killed. I saw them exactly as they were laying there on the ground, uh, and something had, uh, I'm assuming probably a cat maybe, and they had been all tore apart. And then I woke up, and it was getting to be uh, you know, early morning, maybe about 5 in the morning, something like that. And uh, so I I laid there thinking about that, and I thought, that's that's one of those dreams again, you know, what's going on here? And so I got up, did my normal things, and started doing my chores about feeding and taking care of the pigeons and getting the water and the feed together. And I came around the corner and walked to the, into the backyard where the pen was, and I saw all my pigeons laying there dead. And, uh, were they dead? Exactly. Were the exact, exactly, exactly the same in this dream, the, the way that they were, they were laid out, the way that you know, the blood was split. Everything was exactly the same. Exactly. The wings, 
the heads, you know, the torsos, everything exactly as, as what was in the dream. Wow. I mean, that in itself is something that that that's huge. It really is. As yeah. far as far as a personal revelation goes, if that's really what happened, I mean, you, how do you, how do you explain that? You can't. It wasn't a coincidence, and I had somebody that I had talked to about it uh, later on in the years, and who I was working with, and he and he goes, "Well, you must have heard what was going on, and then that caused you to dream about it." And my response was, "Pigeons don't scream." And he goes, "What are you talking about?" I said, "Pigeons don't scream." I said, they don't scream when they're being hurt. They don't scream when they're being killed. They don't make a noise. What was I supposed to have heard that night that would have caused me to dream about it that uh, happened that day or that, at, at that night? And he couldn't answer it, and he walked off. And then I just thought, well, yeah, that's pretty typical. Well, then, you know? so, but this is later on in your life, though. This sounds like you're already in adulthood. Am I right about saying that, or are you young here? No, no, I was young. I was seven years old. I'm about okay. seven years old, maybe eight years old. Okay. So let's jump now. Now, like I said, now let's just take that and run with it. So you are, as time goes on, how did this uh, progress, and what else did you see? Uh, anything outside of things that affected you personally, like the 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 pigeons in your coop, that is something that affects you personally. What about things that are of greater national or international? importance that you did you ever predict an earthquake or see what yes um well the only thing that would have been nationally would have been the, the dream i had about the kennedy assassination um john f kennedy um and that would have been the first dream and you dream, I, you dreamt I of, a dream that the, go ahead you dreamt of jfk you, so you saw jfk getting assassinated in a dream so how, how old were you when he was uh, when he was killed that was in 63. That was 1963. And I would have been seven years old at that time. And when did you dream of him uh, of him dying? And it looked exactly the way it did in the Zapruder film? No, uh, it was a little bit different than that. I uh, And the way to explain it was I had a dream that I went to school and I was, um, I think, first, second grade. And I was sitting there in the dream, in the dream. And a teacher had walked into the classroom, one that I knew of and had seen before, pulled my teacher aside and started talking to her. And then my teacher just started crying out loud and saying it was the end of the world. It's the end of the world. I can't believe this, which scared me, you know, in the dream. And uh, the other instructor walked over to in front of the class and said, class, uh, I'm sorry to inform you, but you're all going to have to go home. Your parents will be expecting you pack up your things and, and go on home. It's just better this way. And I thought, I thought the end, world was going to end. I, and I quickly woke up, you know, and, and it bothered me and it stayed with me. And so I went on into school and then and forgotten all about it and was sitting there in the class listening. And then soon uh, and the same instructor that was in the dream come walking through the door, classroom door pulled my teacher aside and started telling her something. And I thought this happened last night. Deja vu. And, and so um, my teacher started crying and, and, and yelling and saying it was the end of the world. It was the end of the world. 
And the other instructor walked up in front of the class and said, class, I'm sorry to inform you, but the president of the United States was shot and killed this afternoon see, see, in uh, Dallas, Texas. That's, that's, uh, pack, that, that's interesting. Your things. Go ahead. No, no, that's, that's interesting right there. And I'm sorry that I, I, that we're, I have to try to move this along. I want to get all the most important things in. Sure. So I'm sorry. I'm talking over you just a little bit, but the delay here. So that's very interesting in itself because, you know, uh, you know, Pat, when people talk about things like, um, past lives or anything like that. It's always very typical that somebody was like, oh, in a past life, I was Charlemagne or I was somebody yeah. important or something like important. that. And for, you know, so it, it goes a long way with me to have you tell me that you saw not necessarily the assassination of the president actually happen, but it was what would happen the next day when you are all informed and, and, and to not even know what the event was, but to know that you were going to be sent home and that the world would be changed and to have seen your school administrators and teachers delivering the message to go home, um, that that is a very interesting angle and uh and perspective of this whole thing because you know when somebody says i had a dream of the jfk assassination before it happened you know i'll take them for for their word but it uh this is a a little bit more believable to me yeah yeah and uh you know i, I have no reason to exaggerate anything and uh then the house i grew up in and before the dreams when i was young Okay, I don't know if you remember, but the light switches used to be kind of a hard-clicking type light switch before the mercury switches. And before the dream, the the lights would click on. And I kept thinking somebody was, you know, playing a joke on me. And so I found one of my brothers, so I locked the door, and they still happened. And that was, it was always something strange like that happening before the dreams. Well, you know, there's a lot of things there. When I think about the the movie The Matrix, um, I think about I've never seen it. You never seen it? Well, if you ever yeah. want, you should definitely watch the first Matrix. Uh, you should, you you definitely should. And th there is a there's an instance there where they see the deja vu. Uh, deja vu inside of the Matrix is a a glitch that indicate indicates that. Um, you know, any of the agents inside of the matrix may be onto them, you know, hacking the system. And, you know, that's one of those pretty much a harbinger of something to come. So when, you know, you're talking, I think about this, what you're saying, and I wonder, are there any things? Well, first of all, let me ask, have you ever received any kind of vision of national or global significance like the JFK assassination since then? Or, or was that the last time that you had any kind of inclination of that happening? Let me ask you that first. Anything else since then? Uh, as far as national, no. Okay. So then, Mike, the, the, from there, I would say that whenever you get anything coming to you, either in you know, your night sleep or a daydream, are there any things that happen in the lead-up to a vision being fulfilled? Like, do you get a, 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 do you see a glitch in reality or something where you know that a vision is going to be fulfilled? It's 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 a different feeling. It's it's the dreams are different than anything else that you know goes through my thoughts during the day or the night. They're different, and I and I know for a fact it's going to happen. Um, when I rode my father's jeep in the middle of a road, I that was a really strange one. And I tried to to take his car. The next morning, I told my buddy about the dream, and the. Uh, 
as and I thought I was home free, you know, because I got the car. And so as we were leaving to go to a vocational school from the, the high school I was going to, my father shows up in the Jeep. And he says, you have to take you have to take the Jeep. I need the car. You know, I don't have time to argue with you. And he gave me the keys and I got forced into taking the Jeep. And my and I told my buddy all about it and all the strange things that were happening leading up to it. And there were some strange things happening. Um, and I got forced into it. And so he was scared. And I got him calmed down. I said, I'll drive real careful. Top the hill, hit some ice, spun around, flipped that thing right in the middle of the road. And uh, he went off screen. We we got out of it alive. I had no roll bar. It's only a soft top, no seat belts. And we and we rode, and I totally destroyed it. Uh, and we walked out of that thing. See, but um, well, you know, if I ever had a premonition of me being in a specific car on a specific road at a specific time and crashing it or rolling it over. I would be going five miles an hour the entire time. I, I would be going, well, I didn't, why didn't you, you know, in that situation, why wouldn't you, you couldn't recognize, oh, wow, this is exactly like what it all looked like before I, you know, screwed myself in the, uh, in the, uh, in the, in the dream, you know, didn't you think about the dream when you're on that road? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I was, I was doing about 30. And then, uh, by the time we left the city limits, it was an old country road to Tulane okay. and, uh, speed limit was 40. So I, I took it up to 40 and, and the roads were clear, you know, there was, it was winter time, but there was snow on the sides and stuff, but the roads were clear. I never even thought about hitting ice, you know, and it happened so fast that I didn't have time to even think. And I just remember we were rolling and screaming and yelling. And my buddy, some other people pulled up that he knew. And he went off telling them about my dream and everything that happened. And they all left me there. They just said, we don't want anything to do with you. And, you know, you're possessed and blah, blah, blah. And they, and they took off and left me. So I was on my own getting Jeep home. And I, ever since then, I, I had nothing, no more to do with that high school once I got away from it. Now, so um, I have a couple more questions before uh, we hang up, and I thank you so much for spending this time with us. This is really fun, and I hope that people at home, I see people already trying to call in. I hope that they have their own prophetic uh, stories as well, but have you, in the years since then, have you ever, have you gained any control over what you see, or have you been able to develop your abilities in, in any way where it isn't just random flashes, but you're actually able to tap in or dare I say remote view or anything like that? Yeah, I, um, I got to thinking as life went on that, you know, if this is going to happen, then I should, why shouldn't I be able to control it? Why shouldn't I be able to see what so-and-so is doing or, you know, uh, a, a girlfriend that I had or, um, you know, somebody else that I might be thinking of, and I started doing it. And, uh, and, and then when I talked to them, I'd tell them exactly what they were doing that, you know, the day before, the night before, and stuff like that. And they would just sit there astonished and, and say, well, yeah, how did you know that? You know, and I would just go, just lucky guess, I guess. Because getting people to believe you, you know, that's that's a big battle right there. Okay. So. So I guess the last question I would have is, do you think one thing you and I did talk about, we did talk about that I was curious about is that you had mentioned that your father seemed to be gifted in some way where 
he would use willow sticks to detect water sources on land where he would just walk around almost like uh, Inigo Montoya from uh, from the Princess Bride, and he would just be guided by his sword or something, that he would take a willow stick, and he would just kind of walk through a field, and the and, and literally the willow stick would take him to a, 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 a water source or something. Tell us a little bit about your father's abilities, because uh, that was very interesting, and then I have one follow-up question to that. Sure. My, uh, my father was very psychic, and he, he taught me a lot as I was growing up how to feel, how to sense, how to deal with things. And um, so he could, he could douse water, uh, and he always did it with a willow stick. And uh, I, I, I witnessed him doing it for all the farmers. He never missed. He was never wrong. He always, always hit it. And uh, the willow stick would, would force itself out of his, around his hands you know, out, out of his palms and start facing down. And then he would say, and that was after crisscrossing and wandering around certain areas and finding it. And they would dig there. The well, the well digger would be right there and he'd dig and they'd find it. They'd find water each time. He also, now he was very um, perceptive as another time we were in the Southern part of the state at my uncle's ranch rained all night. And, uh, we got up the next morning, and he goes, uh, and we were sitting there at breakfast, and he's going, I smell fire. I smell campfires. And we we're all going, where, where? And he goes, let's finish breakfast, and I'll show you. And so we finished breakfast. He went. We- he just hung up. What the hell just happened? What just happened? Add credit. This thing is on automatic replenish. Hold on a second. Get the hell out of here. You, you can't be. This can't be for real. This can't be for real. <sighs> Come on, man. Come on. Wait a second. Where the hell? Pay, okay, great. Hold on. I'm call, I'm calling you back, Pat. Don't go anywhere. I ran out of Skype credit. That hasn't happened to me in 15 years. Hey, Pat, that, 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 that was on, on my end for some reason. Um, if you, so, so you're talking, the last thing I heard before you cut off was that aside from finding these water sources, what was, what was that called with the willow stick? What was the, the, the method called? Dowsing. Dowsing? Yeah, dowsing. Okay, so you you got to the point where you were staying at your uncle's. It was raining the whole time. You smelled campfire. Go ahead. Yeah, and so um, we got a little alarm. We said, what, "What do you mean to smell fire?" And he goes, "Let's finish breakfast, and I'm going to show you." So we got done. He took my uncle and us kids, uh, all of my uncle's kids and my father's kids, and we he took us out into a field. He started putting sticks into the ground, and he said, "I want you to dig near all these sticks." And when you find charcoal and large circles of rocks, you let me know. And so he was wandering around making sure everybody was digging. We did. We found charcoal. We found large rings of rocks. And then we found human skulls. We found um, femurs. We a lot of bones from, from humans. So my uncle called in an archaeologist, a friend of his. He brought people out. They excavated the area and said, yeah, there was a, a battle here between the local one of the local tribes 
and the Army, uh, you know, sometime back in the 1800s. Now, what are the odds of my father being able to do that? And same thing with his brother crashing his airplane up on the Continental Divide. The FAA, the FAA couldn't find it. My father had a premonition about it and said, I know where it's at. I know what happened. And they ignored him. So he got pack horses together and, and men and people. And it was about 200 miles away, and it was on the very, very top of the Continental Divide. He found his brother's plane, and they buried everybody up there. That's just now, incredible. What's the point? That I mean, what that's more than coincidence. No, no, no. That, there's that. That's just incredible, right there. Uh, so let me ask you. My last question of the night is: uh, Do you believe that something like this is hereditary, or do you think that ever, anybody can really unlock these types of talents if they if they uh, if they know what they're doing? I think people have to uh, get get away from all the distractions, from the cell phones, from life in general. You know, that fast pace of life, and I think you probably could. Um, and uh, my hereditary, my mother was Cherokee, and my father's family came over from Wales. So, I, and I don't know if that had anything to do with it or not. Uh, my mother's mother was very, very psychic, and uh, had a lot of very strange dreams and things that came true, and saved my uh, cousin's life uh, one time because of that, because of her dream. Hmm. So. Well, uh, Pat, Pompey, Pat, I'd love to have you on again sometime to check in, especially when we have a spooky night. Um, although I wouldn't say the things that are going on in your life are spooky. I think they're far more fascinating than anything. But thank you for watching, and thank you for calling in and offering up your story. This was very, very fun. Okay. And uh, well, right. is there anything else you want to tell everybody? Is that, do you have a, a blog or do you anything? I think there's some testimonial videos. I, I'm on Rumble under Pompeii Pat, Pompeii, just like Pompeii, Italy. Um, so if you just look up Pompeii Pat, P-O-M-P-E-I-I-P-A-T, so Pompeii Pat, um, uh, check out the video, see what you think. I've got I've got other ones, too, that um, kind of tie into the same subjects. It sounds good, Pat. I hope some people go over there and check out your stuff. Thank you. Okay. There you go. Okay. Thank you, sir. I'll talk to you soon. Pompey Pat, exactly how he spelled it on Rumble. Go and check him out. See what's going on. Let's see what people have to say about that. I'm going to take the first call. 619, you're on the air. Who's this? Yeah, hi, Frank. This is Kay. Hey, Kay. Hey, I'm from uh, California. Great to have you and, on. Um, thank you. I've been listening to you for probably about five years now, my first time calling. Wonderful. But um, Yeah, and I wanted to call last night, but... I didn't get through about the um, culture shock of being in a different country. Sure. But tonight I wanted to call in because um, your guest was talking about premonition dreams. And I don't consider myself psychic or I don't consider my mother psychic, but um, I had a dream when I was overseas that my mom was going to, was uh, died in an accident. And uh, about six years later, she did die in an accident. Oh. And um, the interesting thing was is that even before I had gone overseas, she told me about a dream that she had. And she had dreamt that she was uh, hovering over um, a body on a gurney. And she was looking down on this body. And there was all these people gathered around. And they were um, doing their best to get this body 
uh, to come alive. And they were putting all this blood transfusion and there must have been like at least a half a dozen people around. And she was looking down on this poor soul and just thinking, why don't they just let that poor soul die? And um, come to find out the way she died, she got hit by a car crossing the street and she did go to the hospital and she was on a gurney and there was multiple people around her trying to get her to come alive for about five hours. Um, this happened like eight o'clock in the evening and they didn't pronounce her dead until about two o'clock in, in, the, in the morning. And um, I just think that she had a premonition of herself on that gurney, looking down at her body, waiting to leave and um, not being able to because everybody was trying to keep her alive. But wow. anyway, I just thought that was interesting. It is, especially especially if I, I think the the um, I think that the interesting angle of this story is that because of course she tragically passed away, and I'm so sorry that that's uh, that's a horrible way to uh, to have your 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 life end uh, so sudden like that. Uh, but th because she was already gone, you, the surviving family member. Is, is the only one that could make that connection for her. You know, we're over here, we're over here talking about, you know, dreams that we may have had that we could plug in and see come to fruition somewhere else down the line. The fact that you knew about her dream and were able to actually draw parallels to how she and she died, you know, she wasn't able to actually make that uh, that sense here on Earth the way that you were able to make it for her. I think that that makes this story a little bit more unique. Yeah. Well, uh. there's a lot of uh, interesting um, twists and turns about the whole story, which I won't go into. But um, I, I am very um, I used to have very interesting dreams and I would write them down. Uh, but later on in my life. I started to have to use a CPAP machine when I went to sleep and that took away all my dreams. And it's been a really, um, it's been very depressing for me not to be able to uh, remember my dreams because I used to get a lot of, uh, a lot of direction in my life from my dreams. And, um, and this in, machine and the, and the, C, the CPAP, the CPAP put an end to that. Yeah, because, um, I mean, yeah, I get a better night's sleep because I, I don't wake up constantly, but I have this stupid thing on my face all the time, and it just pops me right out of my REM mode into wide awake mode. And you know that, that liminal state between sleeping and waking, that's when your dream is really sticks with you, you know? And I don't have that anymore. I just pop awake because I have this stupid thing on my face that I, ha I have to have to breathe, and it's really annoying but wow. anyway um i used to yeah i used to have really really um very descriptive and um intricate dreams of a lot of things but, but anyway. i'm gonna i'm gonna write that thank you you know Kay. thank you so much for the call i'm glad that you got through i hope to hear from you again but again you know if if you ever want to contribute something and you can't get through just just email me i'm so happy that i've been able to have you hanging with us for all these years and, and thank you for this Okay, thanks, Frank. You're great. I well, love listening to you. Well, I loved listening to you the last five minutes, so thank you. <laughs> okay, we'll talk to you later. There you go. Five years, five minutes. What the hell does it matter? But I'm putting that one down in the back of my head. CPAP. 
She was not, a, she used to love dreaming because she got a lot of guidance in her dreams, ideas, advice. Not, not that it was precognitive, but you know, you're in a little bit more of a relaxed uh, improv state when you're unconscious like that. So who knows what you can think up, what you can imagine, and what sticks with you when you wake up. It's totally possible for your dreams to be a workspace to just let your imagination run wild and you can find new creative ways of doing anything. I know plenty of people who have gotten solutions to problems and dreams or, or ideas for new projects and dreams, you know, uh, whether they came from the ether or just from, uh, you know, a little bit more relaxed state where their imagination can go unimpeded by all of the, I, all the things that limit us when we're awake. What are the things that limit us when we are awake? Uh, asking the how, how is it going to happen? I know what I want to do, but how is it going to happen? This cost, this one. You start thinking about cost. You start thinking about timing. You start thinking about whether you're good enough, whether you deserve it. You start th talking about all the reasons why it may not happen for you. If you let go of all that shit, you kind of relax. And suddenly, I mean, more often than not, you get things coming for you or coming to you. And, um, but that's very... So I can see why she would be upset that once she started with the CPAP, suddenly those that that quality of sleep that provided some some dreams in those liminal states, those very dreamy liminal spaces, uh, I can see why she was upset that 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 was gone. Even though she's actually resting, because if she if you have apnea or anything like that, you know what do you want? Do you actually want to rest your body, or you want to have a couple of good dreams? I, you know. There's a trade-off. That's an interesting one. Well, that's wisdom. Let's see here. Lily of the Valley just said, another dream I have a lot is I fly like a bird and swoop down through mountains, waters, and suddenly dive down and crash. Oh, the only flying dreams I ever had, I was up off the ground like six inches. It was very, very, very frustrating. I haven't had that dream in many years, though. I used to have it when I was like five or six where I can, I barely, I barely cleared the step that I was going up over. All right, let's see. It's uh, 8.43. We got a little bit more over here, and we're going to take one here. here. There's a uh, call 817. You're on the air. Is this Orchid? Yes, it is. Hello. Hold on, let, me, let me kill you here. Not kill you, but you know what I'm saying. Oh, please. Um, anyhow, to clarify, I was hired by this gentleman. He had a little girl with him at the time. Anyhow, and he had walked into this place where I worked. He said that he was looking for um, somebody to be a home caretaker and a caretaker for his child. Mm -hmm. And he offered enough money. And so I thought this would be great it's right before I joined the Army, okay? So I was not too far out from being in the Army. Anyhow, so I went ahead and took the job. I moved in with this guy with his child. Anyhow, and a couple of days later, the child disappears, don't ask me about that. I just assume. Um, are you hearing back feed at all? Well, I can, I can hear the, uh, the the stream on in the background, but it's not too egregious. But it, you know, yeah, it's my husband. He's on. He's listening on the phone. That's okay. <laughs> anyhow, go ahead. So anyhow, so the child went back to the mother, is what I was told. That I was still living there. I had already moved my stuff in. Anyhow, and then I'm like, okay, I've been there for a month, and this child has not returned. But I'm taking care of the house and all this stuff. And then one night he flipped and you know, accused me of stealing money from him. 
And I'm like, but I mean, he really flipped out. And I'm like, I've got to get out of here. I was already in an abusive marriage prior to this. And so I didn't have a relationship with this guy, nothing sexual or anything like that. Anyhow, so I called my mother to come get me. And um, I said, Mom, I got to get out of here. Well, when I called her, he didn't know that I had called her. But um, anyhow, um, I'm so, nervous. No, um, no, hey, well, listen, well, listen, Orchid, don't worry about that because here's the here's the easy easy thing for you. We already got, we already have everything you said on the record. So you had this dream. You would have these recur- reoccurring dreams as a kid of of being shot in the head, having a gun put to your head. And writing very weirdly. I mean, it, that, that's an odd thing to in your dream, write in the blood. It it doesn't hurt. And now here you are, all these years later, you have this very very tumultuous situation going on with your your, your living space. You have a guy there now that is accusing you of stealing money. You just called your mother, and then boom, give us the conclusion. Go ahead. Okay, the conclusion was I started moving my stuff out so when my mother arrived, it would already be out in the front yard. Mm. He put a gun to my head. And he says, you're not going anywhere. I'm not taking you anywhere. And I'm just like, all I saw was in big, bright red letters in my head, it doesn't hurt. So these, th- dreams started, these dreams started before I was even in school. I didn't even know how to write. So now at this point, he was telling you that you weren't going anywhere because why? He wanted whatever money he thought that you had taken from him first? I don't know. I still, to this day, I don't know. I think that he was trying to keep me there um, against my will. It's the only thing that I could come up with. I really have no idea. I just knew I had to get out of there. When he pulled that gun, I knew I needed to get out of there. And the first thing that flashed into your mind was all that imagery that you would get in those dreams years before. Do you think? Yep. Do you think it, it, in that point, in that moment, were you in some way almost preparing for him to pull the trigger and just accepting yes. accepting that it was over? Yes. Wow. But I was going to leave a note to my mother. It doesn't hurt. It was a message to me, and it was a message to my mother. Wow. That's what I think. That's how I kind of concluded it. You know, um, but it still. I mean, it still makes me nervous even talking about it. <laughs> I mean, listen. I'm my. Uh, I got goosebumps over here just listening to it, trying to think about being. Well, you know what? Let's move on from that. Let's talk about happy endings. What the hell happened to defuse this or to get you out of there? Did he just kind of? My like... mother showed up. I mean, she showed up, and I was already standing outside. By that time, I got back outside after getting my all of my stuff out there, and we began loading it up. And the gun, of course, wasn't there when my mother got there, but he started talking all sorts of trash about me. Um, this guy eventually long, I'm not even going to tell you that part because I don't want it recorded, but yeah, no, there's more to the story. I, I bet. But, um, I bet. So, but, but did he, did he do away with the gun once he saw your, your mother rolling up? Yes. The oh. gun was gone at that point oh, because you... when he came out there, when he came outside, um, he did not have a gun on him. Thank God but for mom. I did mom. tell my mother. Thank God for mom. That is a, I... uh, Yeah. <laughs> So I managed to get through that without completely losing my mind. <laughs> Listen, if you can get if you can get through that, what the hell does a uh, what what the hell does a job interview mean afterwards? You know, it, it's just <laughs> you know what that's actually the way I took almost every job interview after that. <laughs> yeah, what's the point? You know, what's the worst thing that can happen? I don't get a job, and the best thing is like if everything works out, they're going to be paying me. It's not a gun to the head. Pretty much. It's like my, when I did do a job and I really didn't care was for the police department in um, a small town nearby. 
And I really didn't care either way. Either, and they all had guns. <laughs> So well, I managed to make it through that. I was like, what are they going to do? Shoot me? <laughs> See, so, you know, you, you got through it and then perspective gained. Well, Orchid, I'm glad that you took the leap and you called me up. This was wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good night. Send my best to the hubby. I will. Okay. Take care. Night. Wow. Yeah. So the dream. My, oh, my. All right. 849. We're going to go on a... A really quick, a really quick uh, break, and we will be right back. Where the hell is it? Oh, there it is. I'm still learning my way around. Want to write a letter to President Clinton? Would he answer us? I bet he would. I bet he would, too. Peter, congratulations. This is one heck of a promotion. Thank you, Bob. And we'll go ahead and get some people into you right away. I'm such a G, it's pathetic. Here comes the big headed, digging that's dipping, sipping on Kobasia. God damn, I must have the floss today. Now pimping ain't easy, but it's necessary. So I'm chasing bitches like Tom Chase Jerry. I put the pedal to the floor in my two-tone Ford Explorer. You know how it's done. Sounds bumping, ain't that something? Jumped on the 110. She's flying in the blazer like Ghost Speed Racer, but I ain't gonna chase her like Racer Rex. But I won't flex till it's time to have sex. So when you wanna get together, cause you know a nugget like me is down for whatever. That was easy. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Fifty-two p.m. and Thursday is almost done. What a good one! Did a little bit of news. We did a little bit of woo-woo. All right, the lines are still open for the last couple of uh, minutes of the show. Can't wait to see what comes through. Nine one four two zero 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 two six nine. Over there on the pill, Jimmy the Saint just claimed the one-month bronze subscription. Oh, great! Now he's going to be in the book club. If he isn't already, thank you, Chai Possum, as well. Jay Britt says, hey, Frank, I was impressed with Matt's Sly Stallone impression. Great show. Thank you, Jay Britt and Shotzi. That's on, quite frankly, superchat.com. Remember, uh, if you're watching this show right now, 
a day or two later, a month or two later, whatever the hell it is, you could go to quite frankly, superchat.com right now and leave me a super chat for the next day. Say whatever the hell you want, leave a knock knock joke, make a stand against tyranny. Go ahead, quite frankly, superchat.com. You can go and do it. Sponsor me for a day. I appreciate it. All right. So there's a little bit more here in our, in our, um, I, I, let me go to page four of our dreams repository. I had a couple of things here. Number 49 was pretty interesting. 49 was from Katie Sky. And Katie says, I too have the recurring hotel dreams in which the elevator does not work. There's a few people who had this going on for them. The hotel dreams. And I was one of them. I had strange hotel dreams. One of them was very David Lynch, where every door I went into, I knew that I was getting further and further lost in a labyrinth that I was never getting out of that every door I went into was another dimension. I too have the recurring hotel dreams in which the elevator doesn't work properly and the stairs become jumbled as I try to use them. Sometimes it's a cruise ship. I think it just means that subconsciously we are feeling lost in life about something. In my dreams, I'm usually trying intently to find and meet up with my family, deeply concerned that I will miss the interaction or the event with them. Yeah, yeah, I'm always trying to keep everybody together. After these dreams, I usually just reach out and spend more time with them in real life and the dreams subside. Now, the really cool somewhat recurring dream I've had about three times has really uh, resonated with me is some apocalyptic event happening in North America. I know that's not really cool, but stay with me here. And my family and I are making our way down the southernmost tip of South America. Our, uh, or sometimes it's just me making my way down there. It's just super strong calling for me to go, and the closer I get, more euphoric I become. I'm hoping to travel there this year or get into the water. Uh, oh, to get into the water. At the very southernmost tip, if I can swing it, it would be awesome. There you go. Oh, and there's this really silly recurring dream that I have about coming across secret gyms in the middle of the city that almost no one else knows about. So I can just work out all by myself. Or maybe one or two other people. Those are the, the those are the best days, aren't they? Those gym days that nobody knows about. This one is from Captain Wiggles, who says, Frank, I only have nightmares and night terrors. There are usually vivid, uh, they are usually vivid, and I wake up in a sweat like someone else has posted. Uh, someone else has posted they often occur in a hotel, each of them taking place in the hotel. There is a red Renaissance-styled room, an elevator that resembles the one at an old at an old job I had, a slanted room, a very creepy loading dock. I don't know what it means, but it creeps me out. It doesn't help that it is always a nightmare or a night terror. I'd love to just have normal dreams. It's been this way since I was a kid. Well, as some people say, I don't know what dreams are normal, but maybe you meant I wish I could have some pleasant dreams, perhaps a couple of wet ones. Anything is better than the weird shit, but I've gotten so used to the weird shit, I barely even wake up anymore. Sometimes I'll, I'll rustle and I definitely won't sleep as soundly, but the, if, it's, if it's a dream that's waking me up, it was fucked up. If it actually wakes me up these days, it was fucked fucked because I've gotten used to so much and lately they've been dreamless and I've been really appreciating that or at least I don't remember them 
Okay. Um, but yeah, if you guys have anything, you can always, this, I'm, I'm going to keep this at the top and I will keep looking at new entries. And so we can just have this repository there for all the years to come. And hopefully that is just something that we have, uh, then <laughs> we have something to look forward to as time goes on. Oh, it's a prophetic year, an apocalyptic year. But hell, you know, at least we have each other, as we always like to say. Let's keep that in mind. Paulie9363, thank you so much for the super chat, the gold pills. Stostube says, Frank, Frankly's Franciscans, great Thursday. That's all, fam. Enjoy the end of the week, everyone. Great to be here and enjoying a wonderful listen, as always. Tomorrow's Friday. I can't wait to do that with you. Unfortunately, because I'll be doing it from my closet office, uh, Matt won't be here. What am I going to do? Have him sit behind me like it's a fighter jet? I mean, yes? I'm frozen? Hold on a second. I usually just reach out and spend more time with them in real life. I'm frozen? Dreams subside. Now, the really cool, somewhat recurring dream I've had about three times has really uh, resonated with what me. What the hell? Well, anyway, I'm recording it, so um, I don't know what the hell just happened. Anyway, I'm going to uh, I'm going to be doing some things in uh, the next couple of next couple of minutes. I'll have some stuff for the after hours. Thank you guys so much for uh, for hanging out with me. I will be back tomorrow night. Take care and good night. Catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is film before a live studio audience, and now our super chatter, starting with Stostube, Jay Brits, and Shotzi. To all of our wonderful gold pillars, you have been fantastic as well, and I am releasing the scratching before your very, very eyes. And then uh, tomorrow, we'll do it all over again. Much love to you, my friends. Have a good one. <laughs>